0: Welcome to our personal finance podcast. My name is Mr. Young and I will be your teacher throughout this podcast series. This episode is part of our banking and budgeting unit and will focus on how banks make money in the United States. So we hope you learn a lot here today. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Now banks have many ways that they can make money in the United States. But the three ways that we will focus on today will be just general fees overdraft fees and interest rates our first topic then we'll focus on our general banking fees banks cha- charge money for certain services they can charge for a minimum balance fee which means you have to have a certain amount of money in your account or they will charge you a fee for being too low they can charge you a fee for ordering checks So if you want to have uh, another box of checks sent to your home so you can write more paper checks in the future, they charge you a fee for that. If you want to do a money transfer or wire, which means you're going to electronically send money to another individual, maybe across country or around the world, there's a fee for that. And then one of the more popular fees is the ATM fee. Uh, You generally do not get charged a fee from your ATM if the ATM itself belongs to your bank. But if you're using a commerce bank, ATM, and you belong to a U.S. bank, you're going to get charged a fee. Our second fee that banks can charge are known as overdraft fees. To overdraft would mean that you have written a check for a dollar amount that exceeds the amount that you actually have in your account. For instance, maybe you only have $25 left in your bank account, but you wrote a check for $50 you are short $25, so therefore you have overdrafted or requested for more money to come out of your account than is actually possible. Now, many students often think that a bank's going to get upset with them or mad at them for doing this, Uh, but don't be disillusioned about that. Banks enjoy the fact that people overdraft because this is an easy way for them to charge you a fee. In fact, a bank will often process your payment even though it makes you go negative. They will pay out the money from their general fund and then mark your account as negative and charge you a fee, an overdraft fee, for going negative. Now, an overdraft fee is also, also in our society referred to as bouncing a check. To bounce a check means that when you wrote the check to the second person and the second person's bank realized there was no money in it, they reject the check and send it directly back to your bank with a notification that there was no money in that account. Uh, that's referred to as bouncing a check or bound, returning the check back to you as if it's rubber and it's just bouncing back to the original bank. Uh, your bank is going to charge you a fee for writing a check that had no, not enough money in the account. And often, like I said, what will happen is your bank will pay out to Bank B, give that person their money, and then they will make your account go negative and then charge you, uh, on average, $35 per transaction for when this happens. Our second fee that banks can charge are known as overdraft fees. To overdraft would mean that you have written a check for a dollar amount that exceeds the amount that you actually have in your account. For instance, maybe you only have $25 left in your bank account, but you wrote a check for $50. You are short $25, so therefore you have overdrafted or requested for more money to come out of your account than is actually possible. Now, many students often think that a bank's going to get upset with them or mad at them for doing this, Uh, but don't be disillusioned about that. Banks enjoy the fact that people overdraft because this is an easy way for them to charge you a fee. In fact, a bank will often process your payment even though it makes you go negative. They will pay out the money from their general fund and then mark your account as negative and charge you a fee, an overdraft fee for going negative. Now, an overdraft fee is also, also in our society referred to as bouncing a check. To bounce a check means that when you wrote the check to the second person and the second person's bank realized there was no money in it, they reject the check and send it directly back to your bank with a notification that there was no money. Money in that account. Uh, that's referred to as bouncing a check or bound, returning the check back to you as if it's rubber and it's just bouncing back to the original bank. Uh, your bank is going to charge you a fee for writing a check that had no, not enough money in the account. And often, like I said, what will happen is your bank will pay out to Bank B, give that person their money, and then they will make your account go negative and then charge you, uh, a, on average, $35 per transaction for when this happens. For $50. So in the second row, we're going to say that we debited $50 from our account. Now, since this is our second discussion in banking, we know that a debit means that we are decreasing our account by the dollar amount I just noted $50. So in the second box, sorry, first box, second row, you have $50 debit. And then in the second column, what we would do in that second row is take $200 and subtract out our $50 debit. So in the second row, second box, our account should now show that we only have $150 in our account because $200 minus a $50 debit brings our account down to $150. On the second row, this is going to represent, sorry, the third row, this is going to represent our second day. So on our second day, we decide that we are going to debit $200, okay? So we're going to record $200 debit in the third row, first box. In the third row, second box, we're going to update our balance. So what we need to do is we need to use the previous day's balance of 150 and subtract out today's debit of $200, which means that in our third row, second box in the balance column, our balance is now negative $50, negative $50. In accounting terms, anytime uh, we ever go negative, uh, we refer to that as going in the red. associated with bleeding, right? We're starting to hurt here a little financially. We are negative. So um, oftentimes in software, you may see that when you record a negative number, it becomes red. Okay, fourth row, we're now in day three. We don't have a transaction, but what we're going to do is we're going to record an overdraft fee. So our bank now is noticing that our account went negative on day two, and on day three is going to charge us an overdraft fee. For the purposes of this example, we'll just record a negative $20 in the fourth row first column to to identify an overdraft fee. And you might want to write overdraft after the negative $20. In the fourth row second column under balance, we're now going to make our account go further negative by $20 more, which should leave us an updated balance of negative $70 at the end of day three. Okay. Day four rolls around. We're now in the fifth row of our table and we choose to not buy anything, but we also choose to not credit our account or make it go back to zero. So our bank's going to say, listen, you are still negative. We are going to charge you another overdraft fee of $20. So in the fifth row, first box, I'm going to write negative $20 overdraft, And in the second column of the fifth row, I'm just going to update my balance, which is further red, further negative. It's now negative $90. On the sixth day, or the, sorry, on the fifth day in the sixth row, we are going to record that we are crediting our account $100. And we know from our previous discussion that to credit our account means we're going to increase its value either closer to zero or more positive. And so if we were negative 90 the previous day, and we credit $100 in day five in the first box. That means our balance now is $10 in the very last box. The $10 is often, if it's positive a number, then it's going to be in the black, black ink, and that's where we often hear the term Black Friday come up in our class this, uh, conversation because Black Friday happening after Thanksgiving is the day in which many retailers begin to really make profits for the year because the spring and summer months were slow. And so they're beginning to actually start profiting. And so it's called Black Friday because retailers are actually making positive gains instead of going negative through the summer months. So Black Friday, meaning they're starting to make some profits. So again, uh, the last box, our ending balance should be $10 since we credited $100 into an account that had negative $90 in it. All right, now we're down to our last topic in this discussion, and that is the topic of interest rates. This is usually where I ask students the question, who is earning the interest? Okay, so many students will tell me banks earn the interest, and I will say, well, that's half true, or at least that's one of the two possibilities, but interest is earned by whomever is doing the loaning of the money. For instance, if we put money into our savings account, Our bank is going to give us a small interest payment that increases our savings account even more because we loan the bank money when we leave our money in our savings account. And We talked about this in the first discussion, that when you put money into a bank, they're not just leaving it in a safe, in a safety deposit box. Safety deposit boxes are an additional service that banks offer. If you're willing to pay monthly rent, you can store valuable belongings of certain small sizes into their safe. The money that you deposit goes into a general till or a general fund that banks can then in turn reloan out to customers that are behind you in line, maybe at the bank. They can put that money in the ATM. They can reloan it out to folks for college loans and home mortgages. They're still going to record how much money you deposited, and you'll still be able to come back and get all of your money back, assuming that not everybody at your bank wants the money at the same time. But again, the interest is being paid out to whoever is doing the loaning. And that could be you with your checking account. Okay. So what are some things that banks charge interest on? Uh, if you're going to buy a home, you're going to get a home mortgage. They may give you $250,000 and pay off your home and then tell you, Hey, you need to pay the bank back each month for 30 years, uh, known as a mortgage payment. Uh, and that's going to be, um, 30 years worth of payments to pay the home off, they're going to charge you interest on top of that for loaning you money for 30 years. Um, maybe you're going to take out and buy a car. Unless your car is one that they're trying to get rid of at the end of the season, they're going to charge you an interest rate for borrowing money to pay for the car if you don't pay for it entirely in cash. Maybe you're going to remodel your home. Uh, many of these shows we see on HGTV where folks are remodeling homes, they maybe had to take out a home home um, a personalized loan or a private loan in order to pay off that home remodeling project. And then lastly, the one that relates mostly to you all, and that is maybe a college loan. We talked about in the uh, previous EverFi lesson that you may fill out the FAFSA form or free application for federal student loans. And what that does is allow you to find banks that are willing to loan you money at fixed rates and repay it after you graduate. Again, they're going to charge you interest. Um, I don't know very many organizations that are going to loan you money for free without making you pay interest. That's how they make their money. That's how these banks are able to stay in business. Um, Probably the only place you're going to find folks loaning you money without charging you interest is going to be friends or family. And then I wouldn't recommend taking out large loans from friends or family. But that's a whole other discussion. Okay. So we also need to talk about here... uh, The definition for the term interest so interest itself i-n-t-e-r-e-s-t interest is the cost of borrowing money so when we ask you in the test what is interest really two acceptable answers here it is the cost of borrowing money or it is money earned when loaning out money to another individual or organization so it just depends on which way you want to look at it are you receiving interest because you're the loaner Um, or are you paying interest because you're the borrower? Okay, Uh, and then lastly, our discussion wraps up here, and that is talking about who is loaning the money to banks. So in the United States, we do have a central bank known as the Federal Reserve Bank that is located in Washington, D.C., and we have smaller Federal Reserve banks connected to that larger bank throughout the United States. And we do have a branch of the Federal Reserve Bank here in downtown St. Louis. So the Federal Reserve generally does not interact with you and I's regular citizens. I mean, you can go there and have money converted to different currencies if you want to, and you can take a field trip there if you want to. But generally, the Federal Reserve Bank interacts with banks. And so, for instance, maybe I go to a U.S. bank and want to take out a million-dollar loan Maybe my U.S. bank doesn't have a million on hand to pay that. They probably do, but let's just say that they don't. They can, in turn, go to the Federal Reserve Bank, borrow money at maybe 2%, and then reloan that money to me at maybe 5%. So as long as they are earning, my bank is earning more interest than they themselves are paying to the Federal Reserve, they can make a profit. So the Federal Reserve Bank out of Washington, D.C., they will determine what the interest rates should be set uh, when loaning to banks in the United States. So they charge your local bank an interest rate and then give guidelines for what your bank should be charging in interest given your credit score, which is a different conversation in credit, the credit unit. So interest rates are set by the Federal Reserve and they change depending on the economy. So your Federal Reserve Bank... They can get some guidance from the White House, some guidance maybe from Congress. But what they do is they raise and lower interest rates, sometimes on a daily basis, usually it's on a quarterly basis, based on how the economy is doing. So if they want to encourage Americans to borrow money and spend money so that it makes our economy grow, right, as you're spending money, money is going from your hands to the retailer's hands to the employee's hands, that's going to cause our economy generally to grow. In order to do that, they're going to have to lower the interest rates they charge banks. So if banks are getting a lower interest rate, they won't turn charge us a lower interest rate, which makes us more inclined to want to borrow, right? If it's going to become cheaper for you to borrow money today than it was yesterday, you're going to be much more likely to want to borrow today than you did yesterday. The opposite is also true. So if our economists that work in Washington, D.C. on behalf of the government have some concerns about how long-term your economy is going to stay great and successful and stable, they may advise our Federal Reserve Chair to raise interest rates. Now, they don't do this rapidly overnight, you know, go from 1% to 6%. They'll do small incremental increases in interest rates to slowly start causing folks to stop borrowing and start saving. Now, they don't want everyone to stop borrowing and everyone to just start saving because we still need money to move in the economy. But what they're really trying to do here is slow down this roller coaster ride so we can stay at the top as long as possible and enjoy the view. Right. Think about this in terms of roller coasters. Um, So, yeah, trying to slow it down a little bit and enjoy the good times rather than just quickly going up and quickly going down. So. Our Federal Reserve Chair, along with guidance from the White House, maybe, or from Congress, they will raise and lower these interest rates maybe every every quarter or based on some recent economic news in order to keep our economy as stable and as prosperous as is possible. give you an example. Back when we had our housing crisis in 2008 and the economy was really not doing well, we saw our Federal Reserve Chair dramatically lower interest rates at the lowest we'd seen since the 50s during the Dwight D. Eisenhower administration. The goal there was during a bad economy, cause folks uh, encourage folks to want to borrow money. And when folks borrow money, they're going to dramatically right away spend it. And then that money begins to trickle around the economy and cause our economy to grow. Um, we are right now in a in 2019, when this uh, discussion was recorded, uh, our economy is fairly strong. And so our interest rates are still remarkably low in the 2 to 4% interest rate for folks with good credit. And so the concern is now is, when is the uh, Federal Reserve Bank going to start raising interest rates to kind of slow this good time down a little bit so that it can last as long as possible? Uh, And so you know, this can be controversial when they choose to do that, and it can cause immediate impact on the stock markets of the world. If they if folks start hearing that the U.S. government is starting to raise interest rates slowly, that's a sign that the U.S. government believes that we maybe have reached our peak economically and pros- uh, with prosperity. Maybe we should slow this good time down. So they generally do small interest rate rises, and we have seen a couple of those here in the past couple of quarters. Um, again, complex topic. You get into micro and macroeconomics as a student, either in high school or in college. You get into more detail about how the economy itself is manipulated by the Federal Reserve with the use of interest rates. Okay, so just to wrap up, the Federal Reserve, they'll cut interest rates to encourage spending. Um, They will raise interest rates to encourage saving. That is going to wrap up this discussion. If you have any questions about any of these topics that we talked about here today, whether it be fees, how overdrafts are calculated, or how interest rates are manipulated in the U.S. economy to enable prosperity to last as long as possible, please come by and see me. I'm in 248A at Webster Groves High School. Um, I hope you learned a lot today from this just elementary discussion on how banks make money. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening.